0: Welcome, you're listening to the Media Talk 101 podcast. Media Talk 101 is a non ministry dedicated to teaching media discernment in the light of following Christ. Be sure to visit our website, mediatalk101.org. You'll find helpful articles, videos, and other resources, including archives of this podcast going back for over a year. And you can also find links to our other websites like captivatedthemovie.com, and ChristianWorldviewFilmFestival.com. I'm your host, Philip Telfer, founder and director of Media Talk 101, and back in the studio today with my friend and co-host, Rhett Simpkins. Rhett, this is a, uh, this is a new thing for us, doing these monthly podcasts. It's, yeah, I, 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 it seems like it's been a long time. Well, it has been, and I... I mean, there's part of me that misses doing the weekly podcast, and there's part of me that doesn't miss the weekly mm-hmm. podcast. <laughs> you I can know.: relate. Yeah, you know what I mean. So uh, but I'm glad to be doing this. We've had enough time to, to kind of put together some material uh, for this, this podcast. I thought it would be good to start out with a little news for our podcast listeners. And the first thing that came to my mind was that this is big news. I mean, this is huge. This is this is some this is the biggest news of the year someone other than me gave a couple media talk presentations not too long ago
1: <laughs> I was waiting well what's he gonna say what's he gonna say that's right yes and who might that be <laughs> yeah I did and it was it was a lot of fun it was a good time it was a opportunity for me to stretch my wings and to learn and grow and be able to uh, you know, move forward in Media Talk 101. Well, and, and
0: based on some of the feedback I saw from the the prayer cards, it looks like it had a, you had a good response, and, and I hope that the Lord opens up other opportunities for you. I mean, this is, I, I've been working on you for a long time, going back <laughs> yeah. about eight years, I think. I about. Mean, I, well, I gave my first uh, presentation, official Media Talk 101 presentation, in January of 2006, And you were there uh, Mm -hmm. helping me out. And I believe even then I was trying to encourage you to uh, get involved. So, hey, you know what? Um, Better late than never. And for you podcast listeners, just uh, maybe think of Rhett in your prayers and and ask the Lord to open up other doors of opportunity for him. So that that was big news. Tell us about some of the updates to the Christian Worldview Film Festival website that you've been working on.
1: Okay, yeah, we've got um, a lot of new buttons and things that you can click on when you go to the official selections page. You can uh, click on whatever film you want to see, and there'll be either a trailer or the full version of the movie if it's a short uh, film. And then also, uh, I'm just I'm trying to get together as much data is possible to direct people to the filmmakers so that they can uh, continue networking. So there's buttons there to go to the film's website, the producer's website, or uh, also if they're on Christian Film Database, uh, they can be directed there as well.
0: Good, you know because there are people that have asked me where can I see these movies? Uh, Are they out in the theaters? Uh, Can you buy them on DVD? And all those questions we hope to provide whatever information is available uh, mm-hmm. on that website so that's one of the things that we're wanting to do with the Christian worldview Film Festival website which also one of the big changes is it's been truncated you know so you can just simply type in cwvff.com to to make it there a lot easier Christian worldview film festivalcom but we are uh, you know we're we're wanting to have a A nice robust site for the filmmakers who submit films. So it's not just being a part of the film festival, but it's also just having a place where it can be, you know, one more step to helping promote uh, the great things that are happening out there. And one of the, we had some other things that hit the news uh, in regard to the Christian Worldview Film Festival, and we saw this article that was posted in a website Called Faith Flicks Films. And this was posted by Sharon Wilharm. And she opened up her article saying, I love following the film festivals, checking out all the official selection trailers and trying to guess which films will win. When I watched the trailer for The War Within on the Christian Worldview Film Festival site, I was blown away. And she goes on to uh, talk a little bit about the film and interview. Brett Varvel for um, about his film The War Within and then there's a part of this article where he talks about the festival why don't you read that little bit for us
1: okay he says I heard about the Christian Worldview Film Festival a couple of months before the deadline I was extremely excited about the possibility of getting into the festival and being able to network with other Christian filmmakers when I heard that The War Within was an official selection I was ecstatic My wife and I made plans to make the trip from Indianapolis to San Antonio for the festival. I had no expectations to win anything, but rather was just excited to network and build new relationships. As the week progressed at the festival, I was overwhelmed and humbled by the response by the audiences after the screenings of the film. It's one thing to think your film is good, but then to have people react so positively to it, it gave me a lot of comfort and assurance. I saw the film deeply impact people and was so privileged to talk and pray with so many after the showings. Still going into the awards ceremony, I had no expectations. First, we won Best Film Trailer. I was excited and blessed and thought to myself, Well, that was fun. Now I just get to sit and not worry for the rest of the ceremony. The other awards that The War Within was eligible for just happened to be the final three awards presented. One after the other, The War Within was called. It was hard to put into words what was going through my mind at that moment. I never created this film for any accolades. My dad and I were simply moved to preach the gospel in a new and exciting way. However, to receive recognition at this festival was so overwhelming and humbling. I was most excited to receive Best Gospel Presentation Award. This solidified to me that the message comes through and was done with excellence. I'm so grateful for Media Talk 101 for deciding to put on this event. I know I speak for all the filmmakers there when I say it truly impacted my life to have been there.
0: Wow. Well, and his film uh, had a big impact on many of us. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the judges, we we awarded it several uh, several awards. Of course, the, the audience, they, they're the ones who voted Uh, for the film, for the Audience Choice Award. But what is the website for The War Within?
1: Thewarwithinmovie.com
0: Okay, so go to thewarwithinmovie.com and you can learn more about that film. And they are uh, going on tour this summer. And I believe that they're working with churches. So if you would like to find out if there's a church in the area hosting... A showing of the war within you can find that information out on their website or maybe you would like to be part of being a church that helps host uh, this great film would be a great film for outreach uh, so that's uh, one thing that you can do there and we uh, we want to encourage you to be in supporting uh, films like this that boldly proclaim the gospel and are done in such a creative way way and we don't want to give away any more than that because mm-hmm. we just love the film well some other things in the news uh, f- at least when people ask me so what's new with Media Talk well certainly we're, we have a little bit of a break uh, this summer I'm not doing a lot of traveling because of my pastoral responsibilities here in Texas uh, you're mostly in the office doing office kind of stuff mm-hmm. but I'm not uh, slacking off I'm still doing some doing some work. And two, one of the things that I've been working on for almost two years now, and it's it's been kind of in fits and starts, and I'm finally uh, buckling down, and that is a revision of the book that I wrote in 2005, What Wouldn't Jesus Do? Media Choices in the Light of Following Christ. I mean, a lot has changed since 2005 in our culture, and I wanted to update the book. But there's also uh, new content. In fact, there there was enough new content in my heart that I could potentially have written uh, another new book to add to that one. But because I knew that uh, that book needed some major revisions, I opted to just kind of do both. You know, make the revisions, but also add new content. And the tentative uh, new title for that book is going to be Media Choices, Convictions, or Compromise. So I'm um, looking forward to that. I'm enjoying writing some of the new chapters as well as cleaning up some of the old ones. And we'll keep you informed on how that goes when when we get there. So that kind of wraps up our news section of this podcast. And we're going to move on to uh, some articles that we've come across in this last month. We thank all of our podcast listeners out there uh, who have sent us these articles and others that have just said, "Hey, Philip, have you seen that?" Or, "Hey, Rhett, you know, did you did you read this?" And one of the things that caught my attention also, I'm a I subscribe to Plugged In Magazine online, their weekly email. And w- recently, uh, well, about a month ago, a one of their little what they call culture clips came through, and the title of this little blurb caught my attention. It says the 18-hour media day. (laughs) I'm like, the 18-hour media day. Okay, I know statistics. So this one caught my attention, and I'm just going to quote here from their website. It says, millennials spend 17.8 hours engaged in media daily, some of the time obviously overlapping. I think what they mean by that is media multitasking. Mm -hmm. It says, according to a new survey by... Ipsos Media of 839 young people online. Overall, web surfing along with social media activities and smartphone interactions, such as texting and chatting, take up the biggest chunk of their media time daily, claiming fully 50% of the total. Now, integrated into that total is the fact that 30% of the time is consumed with content created by Pierce. So, that would be, you know, a little commentary here. That would be, you know, your friend makes a idiotic YouTube video and uploads it and so you feel compelled to watch it. Or maybe he makes a blockbuster YouTube video. You know, we don't want to be completely negative here. (laughs) But, um, okay, some of the other things that they do is watching television live and pre-recorded. Now comes in at 23%. uh, Playing computer or video games at 10%. Watching movies at 7%. And listening to the radio at 7%. And reading print magazines newspapers at 3% 3% but overall 17.8 hours wow. so I mean that's basically all the time that you're not sleeping mm-hmm. and that's not a lot of time to sleep either so it's a it seems to be nearly a 24-7 life now there was another article in the news that uh, caught your attention recently about old school phones tell us about that Rhett
1: yeah, I heard I heard this on the radio as I was driving and I thought, "Well, I'm going to look that up to see if this is true." Supposedly there's this trend where people are, you know, ditching their smartphones and going back to the old-fashioned cell phones. I say old-fashioned kind of the the old-school phones, but yeah, so I looked it up and the New York Daily News has uh an article about it. It says forget apps, old-school cell phones ring in a comeback. And so There are now websites on the internet where you can buy these old school phones and they're, you know, for a high price, um, over, you know, several hundreds of dollars for some of these phones that you would think are worthless. But um, some people kind of like the nostalgic idea of kind of going back and being a little retro and others like the idea of, you know, getting rid of all the distractions and just having a phone that will do basic texting and making phone calls.
0: Yes. In fact with the uh with most phones having some sort of keyboard, you know, whether it's a an actual tactile keyboard or just an on screen keyboard to type out your text messages, which makes it quick, you know, it's uh, the the old school method of, you know <laughs> nine ten keys. Mm-hmm and or using the t9 function I mean now I remember years ago you know seeing young people who were so quick at texting with just those 10 keys and in fact I knew a young man that could uh, text while the phone was in his pocket he had memorized all the 10 keys and how many times to push each button and and could text out messages uh, in his pocket or behind his back and I'm I'm sure people can do that but you know then there was the convenience of having this but now you know people are thinking rethinking this and saying you know what uh you know if i have to work at it a little harder maybe i'm not going to be so inclined to, yeah. to be texting all the time plus i don't want the distraction and it's hard to find good flip phones i know this for a fact because my wife fell in love with my old razor phone which uh, I loved, and I had that phone until I got a smartphone. And so I put it in. I put it in a drawer. And then when uh, her flip phone dropped and broke years ago, I said, "Well, instead of buying another one, I've got this Razer." So I just had them uh, reconnect the Razer, and she loved it so much. Well, that one I won't say who dropped and broke it. it wasn't me, <laughs> but uh, it got dropped and broken again. And you know what? I found out you couldn't buy a, a razors at that point. So, but I got online and I got one off of eBay, and so bought her an, another razor phone. Well, I won't say if that one got dropped and broken, also, but <laughs> let me just say <laughs> that uh, I did buy at least one other razor since then <laughs> off of eBay, and it didn't cost a whole lot. But you know, they just don't make them anymore. But you can you can find some of these phones and my wife really likes that you know she doesn't like you know she does some basic texting once in a while and for the most part just uses it to make phone calls but she's she's not distracted uh, by the phone and on on my part I have the smartphone but we're going to talk about that a little bit later about maybe developing some some good habits and using some self-control which is something that I've been practicing uh, for many years since owning a, a, a smartphone, and it's not always easy. But uh, anything else that you wanted to say about that article, Rhett? No. Okay. Well, let's stay on the phone. We're kind of on a phone theme. Because uh, I saw someone sent us this article. It's titled, Put Down the Phone Parents. It Could Be Affecting Your Kids. This is from uh, cbslocal.com. This is up in Minnesota and let me just read the first couple lines here it says it's not just our kids getting too much screen time these days parents are also guilty of spending too much time on their electric electronic devices and it says researchers at the Boston Medical Center observed 55 different groups of parents and young children eating at fast food restaurants The study found the majority pulled out their mobile devices right away, and in turn, their kids tended to act up more. And they quote a parenting coach named Tony saying, it's just normal childhood behavior. If you can't get your attention in a positive way, I'm going to seek it in a negative way. Well, it goes on. This article continues on just talking about the habits that parents are forming, especially even with younger children, of ignoring their children and being glued to their phones, and this has an impact. Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't, once again, we don't need articles or research to tell us this, what common sense should we should know by common sense. That when you are glued to an electronic device and you're neglecting children who are in great need of, of attention... <laughs> Then that's gonna that's gonna adversely affect them, and it's gonna affect you know a parent's relationship with their children, the ch- child's relationship with the parents. This article also talks about how this is not only happening in fast food restaurants; it also happens around the phone. I mean, around the table at home. It happens uh, out in the park. Basically, anywhere. You know, people are glued to their phones. They're addicted to their cell phones, and it's affecting even how they parent. So, you know, there's the, there's the one option that many parents take, and that is just get a device for your children as well. Hmm. And that that leads to another article that was sent. This one's called, the title of this, or at least the, the lead line at the top, says, Infants Unable to Use toy building blocks due to iPad addiction. (laughs) Oh
1: my goodness.
0: So the Association of Teachers and Lecturers warn that rising numbers of children are unable to perform simple tasks such as using building blocks because of overexposure to iPad. So really, this is a response to parents' addiction to their phones and their devices. And that is, if you, you know if the children can't beat them then they can join them and if I'm going to be distracted from taking care of my child because I'm on my phone or my iPad all the time then I need to find some other surrogate to uh, keep to give give some attention to my child well that just happens to be the ever so popular iPad or probably other tablets and phones I see this all the time either parents handing over their own phone or now you can buy. You know, this is I saw in Walmart recently. There was a whole set of new tablets that are marketed to children, to even toddlers. You know, so these are these are things that we they want parents to buy in order to keep their children occupied. So it this article says that there that many children aged just three or four can swipe a screen. But have little or no dexterity in their fingers after spending hours glued to iPads. So members of the Association of Teachers and Lecturers also warned how some older children were unable to complete traditional pen and paper exams because their memory had been eroded by overexposure to screen based technology. So this is uh, and there's a lot more to this article than I have time to read here but it has to do with several things and that's just motor skills, uh, but also the ability to do things that, uh, children and, uh, young children and older children need to be able to do and and generally have been able to do in the past. But this is all being circumvented now, you know, by these digital devices. These are not tools that foster, uh, some of these skills that, that ch- children have been doing for years, you know. Playing, with, playing out on the playground, playing with tops, building with blocks. Uh, we're big fans of Legos in our household, you know, so Legos is a great, great thing. Let me just read one more quote from this before we, we move on. Addressing the ATL, which is this association of, of teachers and lecturers at their annual conference in Manchester, Colin Kinney, a teacher from Northern Ireland, said to colleagues, talk of pupils who come into their classrooms after spending most of the previous night playing computer games and whose attention span is so limited that they may as well not be there. He added, I've spoken to a number of nursery teachers who have concerns over the increasing numbers of young pupils who can swipe a screen but have little or no manipulative skills to play with building blocks or the like, or the pupils who cannot socialize with other pupils but whose parents talk proudly of their ability to use a tablet or a smartphone so that's the that's the new um, that's the new watermark you know the, you know this is the this is where the bar is you know can my child use a smartphone well you know once again these are these are things that were we're having problems okay and in this article, they did give a little they gave a little bit of some action steps and we're gonna give some of our own uh, a little bit later in this program but Mark Montgomery, a teacher from Northern Ireland, uh, said overexposure to technology has been linked to weight gain, aggressive behavior, tiredness, and repetitive strain injury. And he called on parents to turn home Wi-Fi off overnight, to stop children staying awake to play online games on their iPads. So that's one of their one of their action steps, and. Like I said, we'll we'll put in put our own two cents
1: in there. So, what do you think about that, Rhett? Any any thoughts about you? You have some little children, yeah. Actually, as you're talking about this article and as I read it earlier, I, so many things came to mind just of personal experience, and I don't know that anyone would dispute what this is saying. I think if you're honest with yourself and you really look around, you've seen it too, and I certainly have. You know, watching. My two young boys, one's three and one's a year and a half. Um, and then just watching them grow and seeing other children. Now, we don't uh, let them have access to smartphones. I don't even have a smartphone myself. But many of my friends and people were around have them, and they just give it right to their kids. And so I, I've seen this actually play out in real life. And it is sad. I can't imagine... Uh, Elijah, my three-year-old, not being able to stack blocks. And he's been able to do that for years. (laughs) And this is suggesting that many children his age struggle with that. And that's just, that's sad. Well, and there are so many of that, that article was focusing
0: on motor skills, but there are other, other articles you can read out there and research that has been done that also Talk about the other effects, you know, the the cognitive, you know, effects, Mm -hmm. the attention, you know, the effects on their attention, uh, the effects on their ability to to read and their vocabulary and all of all of these things. There's so many, but I agree with you, Rhett, that most people are not going to debate that there's that this is happening. Uh, They may debate whether it's a problem or not. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people think this is good. Well, you know, it's like, it, it's like giving your kid candy all the time. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a digital candy and it keeps their attention and it makes parenting easier. But I've always encouraged parents, especially of young children to, to try to think a little deeper than that, to think down the road, not just the short term payoff, because that's what this is about. This is about a short, Term payoff for the parent. This is not I, a lot of times. I mean, they could say, "Well, I want my child to to uh, learn something or some develop some ability." You know, it's it's amazing how many parents think their children are like computer geniuses because they know how to swipe an iPad. Mm-hmm. They're so tech savvy, you know, and they're so you know they're going to be the next great. Who knows? And maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But But that's you know, that becomes an excuse. The, the reality is, for the most part, this is a, a convenience for parents mm-hmm. but, so it has a short-term payoff for, for the parent. But I believe it has a long-term uh, consequence for the child. And the question is is, am I going to die to myself <laughs> for the sake of another? And and that's what parenting is is about. I mean, that's what Christianity is about, really, serving one another. But even more so in the home, we are called to to make sacrifices. and And parenting is is difficult. I mean, I've where I'm raising four children, and none of them are toddlers now, but uh, they they were all toddlers at one point. And those are those are difficult years uh, to to keep them occupied with good things. It's it's a uh, it takes more time to, to sit down and read a book or play Legos or blocks with them or take them out to the park or you know do different activities. And by the way, I mean, that doesn't stop as toddlers either. I mean, this, this same mentality, uh, it has a trajectory that follows that child throughout their years because they, they become acclimated to the digital devices. That becomes what they're most comfortable with they develop appetites and they and that sets their direction and as they get older that particular tra- trajectory you know continues to just go into different things and as you know parents i've heard some parents really Tr- they're troubled about their teenagers. You know, my son—he's addicted to video games, or my my child doesn't want to talk, or they're really quiet and and they're you know they're not interactive, or they're aloof from us. And it's like, well, in many of these cases, that's been created by the parent themselves. And so that's um, I mean, we could spend a lot. Of, we have talked about this a lot on this program, and we've talked a lot about this, uh, you know, around the living room, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when, when there's nobody around, and we observe it, and, and more and more people are observing it. This is, you know, once again, when I started talking about media 10 years ago, it was predominantly talking about content in media, you know, giving, sharing concerns and biblical principles in regard to content but in the last 10 years this has been the major shift has been the consumption of media due to portable devices like the smartphones and the tablets and even portable game devices where this is no longer something that that's isolated to a room you know in a house it's it goes with people everywhere and this and now everybody is seeing it and a lot of people are scratching their heads going wow we've got a problem and that's apparent in all the articles we read we're going to also talk about a couple videos here in a moment that also highlight this very thing so so there you know there's a lot of concern but not a lot of answers and not a lot of people willing to take some steps because the bottom line is it's the, it's the question of self versus others. You know? And am I going to just focus on my own needs and my, my own uh, personal immediate gratification or uh, am I going to be thinking about what's best best for others? And, and sometimes what's best is not the, the path of least resistance. <laughs> sometimes what's best is not the easiest road to take. Now, there's another, there's another article that is sort of along these lines, but we it has to do with that trajectory, this fast-forwarding. As a child gets older, they begin to read, and then you become an adult. And this article from the Washington Post, the title is Serious Reading Takes a Hit from Online Scanning and Skimming, research, Researchers Say. And this article, author, Michael Rosenwald uh, starts out his his article uh, mentioning Claire Hanscom has a commitment problem online. Like a lot of web surfers she clicks on links posted on social networks, reads a few sentences looks for exciting words then grows restless scampering off to the next page she probably won't commit to. I give it a few seconds, not even minutes, he quotes her saying, and then I'm Moving again. she's a 35 year old graduate student in creative writing at American University. Now it goes on to talk about how that that habit, that bad habit of uh, skimming has also affected her in reading novels. Now we're not talking about reading you know nonfiction. we're talking about reading fictional novels which are generally enjoyable to read, but that's even affecting. And so this this is one article of many that I've come across over the years, which uh, focuses on a couple things. One is the difference between, you know, uh, words in a digital format and print on paper. But also this gets into the the area of neuroscience and brain plasticity, and the grooves that that we create by habits, either good habits or bad habits. In this case, a bad habit of skimming. It reminds me of some some articles I read years ago about the habits of people online, and that generally people read websites, look at websites in an F pattern. So basically, skim the top line, gaze down the page about halfway, read maybe half of the middle line, and then gaze down, and they say on average a person doesn't spend more than 7 seconds on any given website if it's you know text based mm. it's because of it's because of this skimming habit that they have studied they've watched you know they've 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 tracked people's eyes you know on in these studies they track their eyes and their behavior online and they've come up with some of this some of these details for us so what what happens with that information are marketers Study that and say, oh, these are the habits of, of people. So therefore, we're going to create our our website to uh, cater to that. And that then begins to affect how articles are written, how they're formatted on a page, all of these things. These, this is, um, I mean, we could go on and on and on about the, the mess that we're in in regard to words. But the bottom line is, is we're becoming shallower thinkers. This is the uh Premise of the book *The Shallows* by Nicholas Carr, and uh, I do for those that are interested in this 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 topic, uh, I do recommend *The Shallows* with several caveats. You know, first of all, uh, *The Shallows* by Nicholas Carr is certainly not a Christian book. He's, uh, as far as I know, he doesn't. He's not a professing Christian. Uh, I don't necessarily know if he would consider himself anti-Christian but uh, he's not writing from a Christian perspective. He's a journalist, and he's writing from a journalistic perspective, but in the opening chapter of that book, he talks about uh, how he became aware of his his uh, change in the way he thought and the way he read. He talked about the earlier years when he was a young aspiring journalist and how he described uh, his interaction with words. You know, he says, I was like a scuba diver, you know, diving deeply into the meaning of words and, 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 uh, literature and, and how words come together and, and they have meaning. And so he talked about being this, this scuba diver, but after I think it was about 20 years, you know, had passed and he realized that he had, had developed habits of just skimming the surface of things. he and he described it as being like on a jet ski just skimming the surface of the water no longer diving deeper and he realized that his the very way he thought was had changed and that set him on a journey to find out what is going on with my brain you know what's going on with my thinking patterns and 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 he took some time off and he set out to do a lot of reading and and then he wrote this book the shallows i think there's a lot of great things in that book uh, on this subject of of uh, how we read the effect of of the internet on our on our brains and so this is something I've been intrigued with over over the years and anytime I see an article like this one in in Washington the Washington Post it just confirms it it dovetails in with a lot of these other other studies and so they um, they propose this or this author talks about this movement and I'll just quote here I'll just read from it it says word lovers and scientists have called for a quote slow reading movement taking a branding cue from the slow food movement they are battling not just cursory sentence galloping but the constant social network and email temptations that lurk on our gadgets so this is, um, this is an ongoing issue that people are saying, hey, we, we, we need to transition. And now we have this slow reading movement. Now, for the Christian, this does impact the Christian. And because we should be readers, and of course we should be reading God's word. But what happens if we are developing bad habits of skimming on the web, all this information overload, and then we sit down to read the Bible and we skim it and we, we no longer process things deeply when when we ought to. I, did a, we have, a, I have a weekly meeting with uh, the other pastors at our church and a group of young men. It's young men's discipleship breakfast on Friday mornings and I was teaching out of uh, Ephesians chapter one this last week and I actually printed off the first two chapters of Ephesians one and you can do this at home. So get your favorite Bible software And uh, open it up and copy and paste uh, Ephesians 1 2 into a, a document print it off and then take two colored pens take a blue pen and take a red pen and start out with the red pen and underline or circle every reference to Jesus Christ and not only the specific references that say Jesus or Christ or Lord but also he him you know any references And then take your blue pen and circle or underline every reference to God the Father. And once again, not only just the direct reference, but also the related references. And I think it'll shock you. In fact, I probably should tell you, um, well, I kind of gave it away now. Because if you were to have just read that without me telling you to do that exercise, I think you would just skim it and a lot of what you're going to discover in those first two chapters... Is going to just open your eyes, and you're going to realize, wow, we are shallow readers, because in the I believe there are 45 verses total in those first two chapters, and there are over 45. I think it's like 47, if I recall, 47 or 48 references to Jesus, just in those first two chapters. That's aside from over 40 references to sure. God, and that's beside uh, a couple references to the Holy Spirit, all packed in. And every one of those references with meaning and purpose. It's not like the Apostle Paul wasn't like, wow, I just need to, uh, you know, he's just a Jesus freak, you know, so I'm, he's, this is just the, you know, uh, Christian, Christianese lingo. I'm just going to throw in a Jesus Christ here, every other word, (laughs) (laughs) you know, every, he wasn't doing that. Everything that he was writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit was very calculated for our benefit but we just skim right over it. And here's another thing. I'm going to make a bunch of enemies here. I, um, well, I may not make enemies. I'll just step on some people's toes. I have to say, I'm very frustrated, even in our own church, (laughs) uh, with the practice of people no longer uh, bringing to Bible studies or to church their Mm -hmm. Bibles, real Bibles with real pages. Everything's now on the phone because it's convenient. You know, you just type in the address and you bring it up. Well, and I know that in their thinking, it's like there's no difference. What's the big deal? You're just being a Luddite, you know. You're just being a uh, technophobe, you know. It's like, no, I actually like having, I have a couple Bible apps on my phone and uh, I access them them on occasion. I do have Bible software on my computer. I like to use that. But there is a difference in this research, just like this article that we're mentioning. There's a difference between how we think and read and interact digitally than how we think and read when it comes to print and paper. And the more we continue to foster these habits of digital reading, uh, the more, I I believe, that we inhibit ourselves to to deeper thinking. So I, I could talk a lot more on that. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Maybe we'll get some, maybe we'll get some feedback from people, some negative feedback that will provoke a whole broad discussion, you know, on, you know, why using, bringing your Bible to church and to your Bible studies and reading off of a page and flipping those pages is better than uh, using your digital device. So, how about that how's that how's that for a challenge right sounds
1: good and I've got some uh, things to add when that conversation comes up well hey, why don't you give us
0: a why don't you give us a couple bullet points now well, you know give, give us a teaser yeah,
1: well I just uh, I've seen it and I've observed uh, the way people use their paper you know uh, ink and paper scriptures versus the iPhone version and uh, there is a marked difference and that's all I'll say right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Well, I'll tell you something that I like to do. It's kind of a game of mine, and that is when we're in a Bible study and someone brings up a scripture, I like to try to get to it first mm-hmm. before all the iPad and uh, iPhone users. It's not as you know, it's not as quick as they think. You know, it's like a Bible drill. <laughs> Let's see if the if I can flip open quicker than they mm-hmm. can get to it. But uh, yeah, but I think that would make a good. May, maybe at least a portion of a podcast, but let's wait to see if we hear back from anybody. You know, maybe nobody's gonna gonna debate us on this one. All right, well, let's uh, let's talk about a couple videos that uh, have come across uh, my email recently, and the first one was this. This was probably several months ago. Someone, several people all at once were sending me links. So that means it was a video going viral, because that's what happens. You know, when a video goes viral, you start getting links from people, and, and I was I, I appreciated it because it was right down my alley, and it was called the Social Media Guard, <laughs> which was a short, uh, a short commercial, a short film produced by Coca-Cola. Uh, to be, you know, to be a viral video, and we have posted that uh, on our blog, so that if you conveniently want to see a link, now, we're just gonna, you know, if you've you've not seen this, this is spoiler alert, you know, but we're not spoiling too much, (laughs) you know, it's a two-minute video, and uh, I could really care less whether you see it or not, but I was glad to have seen it, and so, we're going to just spoil it here. If you haven't seen it, what, <laughs> Rhett, just tell me to kind of describe this video and why, why we're talking okay. about it here.
1: Yeah, it's just, uh, the first part of the video shows what we've all seen, where people are distracted in real life, face-to-face relationships by their devices. And so it shows that in a way that we can all relate to. And then, um, the... The the media social media guard, the uh antidote to the problem is uh what do they call those? It's like a a scratch it's, collar or something it's like a,
0: that. It's it's like a cone. Yeah it's the cone of cone of shame uh-huh. for... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a parody, you know. So they're they're it's a big joke. You know, they're saying it's a Coca Cola ad, and it's advertising Coca Cola products. And so they're, they're sort of like, hey, recognize we've got the problem. So what's the solution? And then ta-da, the, the big majestic music. And they reveal the social media guard, which is a big cone of shame <laughs> you know, around people's necks, which keeps them from looking down at their phones but then what happens next when they have this social media guard something happens
1: yes they begin to look at one another rather than their phones
0: <laughs> ah, and they discover real life and they and it's a really clever video i laughed so hard i did share it with several people and uh, it's it's a silly it's a silly video with an unrealistic uh action step <laughs> you know that nobody's really going to do that, but um, it made the point. Mm-hmm. It did make a, a good point. And it was the same point, by the way, that was identified in, a, in also a very clever way in the Pixar film Wall-E, which I've talked about before. And in that film, they do something similar using this robot Wall-E to help bring attention to the fact that people are no longer personal. And they, they begin to wake up and and see this beauty of personal interaction, and so from Wally to the social media guard, but that's telling us something. I mean, when you have viral videos made by Coca Cola, and they are recognizing a a problem, and what is that? People are distracted from real relationships, and of course, one of the other things is that for Christians is that this can be not only distraction from one another but it's one of the greatest distractions is a a distraction from God the creator of the universe now let's talk about the uh, the second um, the second video now this one we've also posted with a disclaimer I like this video but there is a the the uh, producer of this and the person it's it's a um, spoken word video, and they use a derogatory term, which uh, I'm not going to say over the air here. It could have been worse, Mm -hmm. uh, but it could have been better. And we'll just say, as a disclaimer, the word rhymes with mastered. (laughs) So that's it. That's the disclaimer. So if that's going to be offensive to you, don't watch the video. And um, it's in a particular... Context, But tell tell us about uh, this video, Rhett.
1: Yeah, it's a similar concept, but um, it kind of shows a, a brief story of a guy. You know, it shows many people distracted by their devices. And then it shows this one guy who um, he needed directions or something like that. And he was looking at a piece of paper. And then somebody came along and he asked this young girl... Um, where to go and they they started actually talking and then he falls in love with her and they get married and they have children and uh and then even grandchildren so it shows life but then it says but this never would have happened if you were looking at your device in so many words he does a much better job but if he was distracted from that opportunity to connect with this girl they may never have gotten together and so it shows uh this this very same problem but um specifically kind of through the eyes of one individual
0: yes so in that in that video they kind of replay that scene you know Mm -hmm. at the beginning where he's walking along the street this time he's staring at his phone no interaction and the girl walks by and there it is, you know. There's a, there's a, um, you know, a whole different ending to that that story, and it's done in a very, very clever way. the The video is called "Look Up," and these, once again, this idea is look up from your phone. and And in this, the focus here was personal interaction with others, and this is kind of the theme. This whole podcast is, you know, we talk about parents interacting with children or not interacting with children because they are fixed on their phones. And we've talked about other things as well. So let's let's uh, close this podcast with some some action steps and we have several verses that Rhett and I that came to our mind as we were talking about this podcast. One of them is actually was mentioned in our documentary Captivated and it comes from 1 Peter 113. I'm gonna just quote a portion of it from the New American Standard version, which says, to prepare your mind for action. The, new, uh, the other versions say, gird up the loins of your mind. And that uh, was explained by Pastor Joe Schimmel in the documentary, meaning, you know, back in, in the days that that was written, you know, men didn't wear pants, you know, they wore robes. And so when, and this is the case in other countries, when I was in India, we, I saw this, you know, India, they wear these lungis, or what they call, if they're more fancy, they call them dodis, and they are basically just like a wraparound skirt, you know, that men wear, and that's very traditional, and when they're worn, they can be worn full length, all the way down to the ankles, but that's not really useful when you're doing work, and so you would see uh, that they would hike them up and tie them up in a special way, so they basically became like shorts. And uh, and that's the essence of that scripture where it says per, it says gird up the loins of your mind. It was referring to a practice that everybody was familiar with, girding up the loins. You know, girding up that robe so that you could be active. And we're told by the Apostle Peter that we should be doing that with our mind. We should be preparing our minds for action. And then uh, another verse that came to my mind was, was Matthew 5, uh, verse 8, one that we quote in our Media Talk presentation. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And as we talk about looking up, and we talk about that video which called Look Up, which was about human relationships, we also have this problem with being distracted and our hearts being full of clutter and not being you know we talk about in our presentation light pollution which blocks out the view of the stars and so we we need to have pure hearts and part of that purity is not not just content anymore that's part of it but is also saying do we have room to breathe and think and to look up to God and to turn our eyes to him which which reminds me of another verse uh at Hebrews chapter 12 uh 1 and 2 kind of our theme verse what does that say
1: yeah let us lay aside the weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto jesus the author and finisher of our faith so
0: an undistracted race that is set before us looking to jesus and and so we that's another example of looking up we need to be people that are not distracted by the things of the world and that doesn't mean that we don't need to use these things I mentioned earlier that um, I have a I have a smartphone so full full disclosure I've had several smartphones over the years presently I have an iPhone 4S for all of you people that want to know specifics but uh, you know I've I've made a practice of disciplining myself girding up the loins of my mind for action realizing th- the reason I have a smartphone for purpose and I want it to remain used for that purpose and not beyond that. And so that takes self-control, it takes discipline, it takes thoughtfulness, it takes training. So in fact, it's it's gotten to the point where I've, I've basically trained myself to ignore all the buzzes. I, there's no beeps because I, I always have my ringer turned off. So it doesn't make any noises, it doesn't flash any lights, uh, but it does vibrate for notifications. And uh, or when a f- phone call comes in, and for the most part, I've so trained myself that I uh, often just completely ignore it. And it's usually my children, if they're sitting next to me, or my wife. She'll say, "Your phone's buzzing." <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. <laughs> you know, well, too bad. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm. Don't you want to know it's what? What it's about? I'm like, no, nope, I don't. It's not. It's not the time or place for it. So that's one of the things that I've been uh, endeavoring to do is is to be very self-controlled and disciplined. But that is in regard not only to my relationship with God, but my relationship with other people. Now, you brought up uh, another passage that I think is is so critical, especially if we, if we go back to the early part of this podcast talking about parents and children. And what's that, Rhett?
1: I, was, I thought of Deuteronomy chapter 6, where it talks about uh, teaching your children, uh, you know, the commandments of God, but specifically to love God with your heart and soul and strength.
0: And what's interesting about that verse is it goes on to say, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down. And when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house, and on your gates. And as I think about this, what what do you? I mean, what am I thinking about? What do you What do you think about when you read when you see these words, Rhett?
1: I, I think uh, about you know this should be what you're consumed. This 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 should be what you do. This should be what makes who you are, and so your children are learning uh, because this is this is what you do. This is what you talk about. This is the kinds of things that uh, are so important to you, and, and so many of us uh, have made that into our smartphone rather than uh, Scripture or God or His commandments.
0: That's right. You know, your actions often speak louder than words, and, and as I'm looking at this, parents are. Always training their children, when they, when they're in the home, when they walk by the way, when they lie down and when they rise up. The question is: Is what are they teaching mm-hmm. them? Uh, there is something that is bound to their hands, you know. But it's not the word of God. It's the smartphone. It's the iPad. You know, there is a frontlet between the eyes these days. But what is it? You know, it's not the word of God. It's the iPhone. It's the it's the Android device. It's the tablet. You know, it's the computer. It's the TV. These are the things that are, and this is what is training the next generation. They watch mom and dad, and they're going to mimic that. They're going to say, "This is this is what mom and dad are teaching me to do and to be." And yet, we have a command from God that we need to be uh, training children. It says to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So we need to be to bringing our children up and teaching them not only about the Lord, but also how to pursue God, how to call upon his name, how to have a relationship with them. And if they recognize that they have a hard time having a relationship with mom and dad because mom and dad are always glued to a device or mom and dad are having a hard time having a relationship with their children because their children are always glued to a device, how is that also going to affect mom and dad's relationship with God? Mm -hmm. How is that going to affect the children's relationship with God? It all comes together because we read in uh, 1 John that how can you say you love God if you don't love your brother? If you don't treat those who you see in a loving way, then how can you even claim to love God? So these things do impact our relationship with God. Our relationship with others has an impact in our relationship with God and vice versa. So that is kind of the the action step we would encourage parents out there is to look up and not in the, the sense of just looking up from your cell phone so that you can meet some Girl, you know, mm-hmm. on the street to have a long-lasting relationship, you know, <laughs> but to look up, to 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 first of all look up at your children, you know, and to die to yourself and uh, to begin to place the the right attention that they are needing from you. The second thing is to look up and and to fix your eyes on your relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ and that ongoing relationship with his Holy spirit in your life. And one last little practical note as an action step. I meant to do this earlier, Rhett, and I forgot, and this is hardly going to sound spiritual at all. After we made these wonderful spiritual comments (laughs) at the end of our podcast. And that is, uh, I was going to let you know, for those of you on the subject of reading, I've mentioned this before is that, um, if there's something you want to read off the web, print it. Print it off. You know, and you can do that. Some someday, Rhett and I will do the the podcast on how to change the ink in your inkjet cartridges, so you can save money because you're going to be printing stuff instead of reading it online. Mm-hmm. So you so you you change your own ink, you print it. But there's another nice little tool. So this is a combination of. Uh, not being anti-digital, not being anti-technology, but using technology to give yourself a, a tangible page that you can read. like what I'm doing here, I have all these papers, all these articles in front of me. and they're nice and easy to read because I'm using a web browser, I'm using Chrome, and I'm using an application called Clean print. So this is this is your little uh, little helpful tip for the day. You know, if you want to be printing stuff off, get the Chrome browser and download the app Clean Print. And what that does is that when you go to these sometimes you know you go to these newspaper websites to print off an article, and you have all this nonsense. You know, you have all the garbage. You don't want to print all that out. Uh, you you just click the little Clean Print button, and it analyzes the website and it pulls up the text. <laughs> you can just print the text it's nice it used to be that websites offered that as an option but they don't want that anymore it hurts their advertising revenue you know they want they want to embed their advertisers on your pages so this is a nice little workaround and once again that's not real real super spiritual but it's a little helpful tip anything you want to say before we close Rhett? Maybe you should close with something spiritual. Okay. Well, uh, with regard to Deuteronomy chapter six.
1: (laughs) Yeah, just just look unto Jesus. That's uh, John six forty is one of the verses that I often think of when I think of the will of God. Um, But it says, "This is the will of Him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day." So, we we need to be looking unto Jesus. And if we're looking at other things, we're not going to be looking at him. That's a
0: much better ending than talking about the clean print app. Thank you, (laughs) Rhett. And we want to invite you to join us again next month. Thanks for listening.
1: You've been listening to the Media Talk 101 podcast. Visit mediatalk101.org for helpful articles, videos, and other resources. Click on the audio tab to get a free download of Philip's audiobook What Wouldn't Jesus Do? Media Choices in the Light of Following Christ. And if you haven't seen our award-winning documentary Captivated, Finding Freedom in a Media Captive Culture, be sure to order your copy today. Parents Television Council calls it deft and powerful, and numerous moms, dads, and pastors say it's a must-watch for every Christian family and church. If you have a question or a topic you would like to have discussed on this program, please send an email to podcast at mediatalk101.org.